Welcome to the Welding Business Owners Podcast, where our podcasts are late, but our bids are on time. I'm your host, Kevin, with JMW Fabrication. Today, we have a brand new episode series with Andrew Stoneman from Haskell Collection. What makes his story unique is that he's not a welder or a fabricator. He's a businessman. He started this back in 2007, not knowing how to weld, not knowing how to fabricate, and he still doesn't do that. So it's really interesting to see his perspective on how to run a business from somebody who doesn't get down and dirty. They do some really beautiful work, and I'm going to put their link for their website and their Instagram in the show notes. So you guys should really go over and check out and see what they do and follow along with that. And without anything else, here's the episode. So how are you? I'm good, thank you. And I appreciate the time, you know, on a Sunday especially. Man, I appreciate you reaching out to me. I love it when people reach out and say, hey, I've got a different perspective on things. I like what you said about this. But like, you know, if you ever want to catch up sometime and talk and that's what you did, man. So I appreciate you reaching out. So I check out your stuff, man. You have a really impressive shop and you guys do some really nice stuff. Um, Tell me. uh, Yeah, like it's I mean, I'm just looking on Instagram right now and like, man, your shop is beautiful. It's clean. It's big. It's well lit. Um, tell me, you know, since we've only got an hour, tell me how you started off. Like, tell me how this whole journey has gone for you. And, um, I want to hear everything. <laughs> okay. I'll do my best. Um, sure. but, well, and then let me say also first, you know, um, I, I really appreciate what you do. I am, I'm just a, I'm just a pretend boss and, um, I, I, affiliate with a whole bunch of really talented guys. So um, when I heard your podcast, I, I, I started to listen to it because so much of it pertained specifically to what we do. And I hadn't really found many resources out there that shed light on, on our business, specifically mm-hmm. a lot of the same challenges that we all share. So it, it's become um, a, a really big asset to me for at the very least, realizing I'm not alone in the struggles that we all share. So it's it's been awesome. Um, and I'll tell you, um, I think I should probably also share first and foremost, I'm not a welder. I'm not a fabricator. Um, I'm a salesperson. And, mm-hmm. and that's really where I come from. And by a whole set of circumstances that are very fortuitous, I became a business owner. Um, I, I, an entrepreneur that launched this whole enterprise and we kind of, uh, by good fortune ended up where we are, but as you know, we make our own luck. So we worked very, very hard. Um, that's interesting in, 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 in a nutshell, as much as I can compress it into one, um, I was in sales for 30 years in, in engineering and architecture and fabrication for uh, mostly the building industry. And in 2007, 2008, when the economy went radically downhill quickly, um, many of my peers and myself, we lost our jobs. Mm-hmm. And um, so after three decades of selling for other folks, I decided I'm going to sell for myself. And um, so what I did was I designed a line of furniture with the idea of targeting the hospitality hotel market. And it was going to be steel furniture, domestically built, 
that um, would generate what's called lead points. And I don't know if that's something that's familiar to you or your audience. Lead, L-E-E-D, stands for Leadership and Energy and Environmental Design. And um, if you're a developer and you buy a lead rated product, whether it's um, you know, a material, um, reclaimed wood, um, low uh, energy consumption, lighting, a lot of the things that will help you accrue lead points in the state of California, for example, and many other states in the country, you get a tremendous tax break from the state and you get um, uh, basically um, deferrals on a lot of the expenses that you might otherwise incur when you're developing a commercial property. So my idea was one of the things you can get lead points for as a developer's furniture. And anytime a hotel is built or redesigned after three to five years, which they do regularly, they could buy our furniture, which are built entirely from steel and steel's the most recycled product on the planet. So they would accrue a certain amount of lead points and therefore our stuff would add benefit and incentivize them to. So sounds good on in my head, right? Sounds pretty good in theory. Sure. Um, pretty hard to sell a $2,000 chair or a $4,000 chaise lounge because <laughs> <laughs> the price points at the time were excessively high because I didn't have a shop. So I would outsource the fabrication. We did the design. We'd outsource the fabrication. We'd get an order. We would have a third party build it, package it up and drop ship it to the customer. And, mm -hmm. you know, on paper, it sounded pretty cool. And, and we had some small victories. But the second somebody sends something back because it's damaged or the second something goes sideways, mm. now it's costing you money. Yep. And it's um, so perfect for it to work. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and and the economy, as you know, stayed really depressed. A lot of people are out of work for three, four years after 2007, 2008. So um, but I'll tell you what happened. So we failed. Hmm. But what we did and, and we had named the company Haskell Collection and it had kind of a a presence online that targeted resale um, and retail entities on the Internet and brick and mortar stores, and then hospitality directly. So, um, but what I discovered was we could, these guys that were building this stuff for us could really build anything. And um, the, as the economy swung back to uh, kind of a positive spectrum, people started borrowing money and people started building houses and people started doing normal stuff again. And at that point, um, I said, you know, what if we build this stuff ourselves rather than outsource it? We can lower the price point. So I rented an 800 square foot little commercial space, industrial space here in Costa Mesa and uh, hired a guy that was building independently for me. I said, he, I said, I'll pay you more than you're making. Come here and do this for me. And it took us about mm, three or four months to figure out, boy, we got to sell a lot of chairs and chaise lounges to make this work. It's not working, but somebody needs a guardrail repair or somebody needs, you know, a stair stringer design or somebody. Mm -hmm. So 
within the scope of about a year and a half, um, we got our contractor's license as a licensed C23, which is architectural and ornamental iron, and later as a C6, which is finished carpentry, cabinetry. And um, we we incrementally grew by, by doing um, small one-off projects for homeowners, which most of our folks that are in the industry kind of start any fabricators. And um, I was driving the truck and bringing the guys that knew what they're doing. And I was the kind of trying to be the silver tongued voice of the company um, because all I could do was, was talk to folks. And mm -hmm. we were very lucky to have a, a very rich marketplace in Southern California. And ultimately what we figured out was um, working for the end user, if it's a, if it's a homeowner or a business owner or a restaurant or um, even a, a, a commercial business entity, it's a pain in the ass working with those customers directly, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Uh, super high maintenance, very, language, very demanding, which, 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 you know, we all want the best quality stuff, but it just became um, less bang for your buck, very mm -hmm. tough ROI return on investment and, and super high maintenance from the standpoint of follow-up and, and it just became unmanageable. So to streamline that, um, I started to go to the general contractors directly and, and, you know, that's when we played our role as a sub as a licensed sub. So now we have this one point of contact in essence, which is our, our boss, the mm -hmm. general, and then we provide him a service and he navigates the end user and he navigates mm -hmm. all of the collateral communication that needs to happen. And, um, <clears throat> and our, my one guy grew to a couple of guys and uh, continued to grow and, I mean, the long and short of it is we went from uh, eight, eight, 900 square feet about seven years ago to uh, we're in about 9,500 square feet now. Um, there's 13 of us. And um, I'm in the role as, as, you know, uh, chief court jester. I have a, uh, I have seven fabricators that um, run the gamut from a, a very, very high skill set that work in um, in stainless and and all types of alloys. Um, and, and we do work that is um, pretty much primarily focused towards the high end custom home builder. And mm -hmm. um, that's probably 90 percent of our client base. Um, but all types of collateral um, profit centers and, and, and business kind of micro, uh, revenue generators fell off of that, um, combination of, of experience. So we also have a design department in-house, um, we're outsourcing less and less because we're able to bring in more, um, I guess, capital equipment and do things in-house like mm -hmm. rolling, like bending, um, cutting of, of all sorts. And then, We've aligned with glazers and uh, painters and powder coaters so that we bring a single one-stop shop uh, solution under one roof or under one brand. So the Haskell brand sure. has now become synonymous with I can make one phone call and I can get a turnkey 
um, stair installed with, you know, rift cut white oak box treads and integrated LED lighting and, um, you know, anodized aluminum details and inlaid brass and et cetera, et cetera. And all the things that these folks that have a, a very high, high um, uh, expectations in terms of their, their residents expect. So mm-hmm. um, we've been lucky. Um, we've been lucky. So that's a, that's a very abbreviated version of the path. Um, and okay. where, where we are today and where I am today is, um, I'm, I'm super fortunate. I get to go into the office every day and play dumb, which I am in, in terms of how, how to do a lot of things. Um, um, but I get to be alongside all these very skilled tradespeople that really know their business. And, um, and there's a tremendous amount of collaboration in house and, and we're doing all sorts of, like I said, collateral services. We do a lot of in-house original design. We do a lot of value engineering. I mean, I can take it any direction you want to go, but I mean, there's, there's a a myriad of very uh, humorous um, anecdotal experiences that we get to run into day in and day out. And, and, um, and I think the best thing about what I do too is we're really in a very unique market in the United States and in Southern California, uh, which Mm -hmm. is different than I know where you are, which is different where most, most folks are. And it doesn't mean it's any better for anybody. It just, it's very, um, specific. So I think that we've been, um, we've been fortunate to, to capitalize on it. Awesome. So you say it's very specific and you're when you originally talked uh, reach out to me you said that there's some really unique changes or uh, mm-hmm. unique challenges to mm-hmm. what you guys have to you said California Southern California talk to me a little bit about that like what why is your market different what are the things that you've had to learn to overcome and you know just anywhere you want to go with that because I'm that's what really intrigued me. I was like, well, business is business, but like, I mean, I know California is, they're kind of crazy out there. So I, <laughs> I, I, I want to hear a little bit. So, um, yeah, I, I had Jeremiah from mobile weld on and we had talked previously to my talk that I recorded with him. And he told me some horror stories about just the stuff they have out there. So yeah, I want to hear your take on that. Okay. Well, you know, it's I I can't compare it to much else because this is where we operate and this is where we mm-hmm. do business and and this is where we are. Um, there's a whole host of pros and there's a whole host of of cons. Really, um, from a business owner's standpoint, California does a fantastic job of um, incentivizing you to leave, uh, leave the state <laughs> and do business somewhere else. Um, and I mean everything from uh, you know very finite things like cost of materials um, to uh, cost of real estate. You know, um, you know, we signed a five-year lease. We're paying through the nose per square foot compared to uh, uh, anywhere else in the country. Well, most other places in the country. I shouldn't say anywhere, but most other places. Industrial space in coastal Orange County, where we are, is becoming a rarity because everybody wants to live here. And so Mm -hmm. to do business where we are in the, in the area we're in, in the type of facility and doing what we do um, comes at a very high price tag because 
they could get um, uh, as much or more in most instances if it were uh, transformed to residential property or creative industrial, creative, uh, which we are, but I mean, I guess creative mixed use or commercial use. So um, the way of the industrial type of building in Westside Costa Mesa is really going away and that that's where its roots were. But I think it, um, it, it also boils down to things like insurance, things like um, taxes, things like certificates, things like workers' compensation, things like, I mean, it's an absolutely um, scandalous um, political climate in terms of the small business person trying to play above board, do the right thing, tell the truth, make an honest day's living. They couldn't try harder, it seems, to want to pack up and go to Nevada or Utah or Idaho or anywhere. You know, So those are some of the challenges that became um, – I became aware of and became really clear as we went from kind of a garage operation to a real business. And mm -hmm. um, so what does that boil? What does that equate to? That boils down to how do you make money? How do you make money and how do you, uh, how do you um, create a livelihood for everybody that works for you mm -hmm. and with you? And how do you uh, uh, grow your business? Um, so it's a, it's a payoff. Those, those are some of the challenges. Some of the other challenges become, um, I think, uh, well, fundamentally, um, meeting an extremely high, um, quality level, a target that, that is sometimes unattainable in my opinion, and the things that we do, mm. um, everyone uh, expects a certain level of quality and sometimes which we aim for, but sometimes it's almost the kind of thing that you can't get to just because some of the demands are um, over the top. I think it's also important to clarify. We mass produce nothing at Haskell. Mm -hmm. So every single project, which you're familiar with is an original one-off first time it's typically ever been built. And while, yeah. While there are a lot of things like handrails and stair stringers and stair treads and risers and balconies and the run of the mill stuff, you know, we also, we do things like, um, I don't know, 20 foot tall laser cut aluminum sliding modesty panels for the front of a beachfront home that, mm -hmm. um, or we'll do, uh, somebody's got a 15,000 gallon aquarium in their basement and they want a copper bezel with captain nemo emblazoned you know embossed detail on the outside of that i mean there's things that are very <laughs> your imagination right and many yeah. of those get generated by a third-party design entity or an architectural firm and then haskell gets tasked with trying to figure out how to do it so yeah um so there's things that become um super challenging but i i will say um, one of the other challenges too is, is finding the right folks, mm. uh, in terms of, you know, trades people that out, out here, at out least, where you're at. Yeah, it's tough. Um, myself included, and most of us that work together, we really can't afford to live where we work. So it's, it's tough to find the personnel that, um, 
have grown up in the trades and have a high skill set and understand what's expected of, of the types of clients we're working for, you know, and these builders, they have very high standards. So mm-hmm. um, it's really just about being challenged with delivering the, the best product um, in a timely manner um, and overlaid across that this basically being asked to build something that maybe hasn't been built ever before, or, you know, there's nothing to compare it to. There's no reference point. So mm. that becomes a challenge. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. How, like, so how did you originally get hooked up with the builders that you, the custom home builders? How did you, did they find you and you just, just serviced them well, or did you seek them out? Like, tell me what that was like. I did a lot of door knocking. Yeah. I did a lot of walking in blind. Um, I did a lot of um, uh, phone calling. Um, But I will say again, you know, driving around town, you couldn't go half a mile without seeing two or three new homes being built. And and you would start to see, recognize a lot of the, the builders' names over and over and over again. So there was a short list of maybe a dozen and then a longer list of maybe three dozen or four dozen. And, and the names that you would see again and again, they were busy. So, um, yeah, basically uh, knocking on doors, um, putting my foot in the door when it cracked open, and then um, uh, starting a conversation, making eye contact, shaking hands, um, introducing myself, and then repeat, basically mm-hmm. repeat, repeat. So, did you stop you know, out on the job sites? Did you like legit like knock on doors? Did yes you yes and yes? Like, Yes. Just all yes, the above. Yes. Just, yeah. just get out there and scatter yeah. shot it. Yeah. You, well, you know, okay. So you walk on a job site, you know, there's going to be a superintendent or mm. a foreman or somebody. And, and on these homes, sometimes you'll have a couple of them, but like any job site, what, regardless of what it may be, there's always someone that is at the top of the pyramid and you'd look for that human and, and, and introduce yourself. And then they're attached to the home office. They're attached to someone that they answer to. Mm-hmm. And that usually wasn't difficult to get out of them in a short conversation, whether they wanted to just get rid of you or they said, Oh, don't talk to me, talk to so-and-so. And then, um, and then, yeah, um, walk into, to their office. The other thing I think um, that still serves us really well, and this is another whole maybe subject is collateral marketing. And um, I shared, I came from sales. So, one one of the few things that I do really well at Haskell is it is I generate business and um and the the way that I love to do that is without saying you know I want to sell you something it's it's more um we've been able to um, generate ambient marketing material we have instead of a business card we have a tiny little book it's about two inches by two inches and it's got about a dozen pictures in it and it says almost nothing. It has a phone number and it has our website and then it's just photos. Really? That's it. That's, and that's unique. So yeah, we drop that off. Nobody wants to read a novel or a, a long brochure about your capabilities because they're mostly the same as everybody else. There's nothing unique, but when they see a really beautiful picture of something that immediately pertains to them, they, um, tend to, okay, you know, I'm going to hold on to this because this strikes home. And then I started very early um, with a 
a free program called MailChimp. And then ultimately we subscribe to it now. And MailChimp will send an email blast. So we took um, MailChimp and we had it set up uh, on scheduled emails. And as I would meet people, I would populate the email database. And anybody that got our email could opt out and they would never get an email from us again. And that's fine. So we weren't spamming, you know, the, the, ma the masses out there. But what we did was um, we just put our name, we put our contact info, and then we put pictures. And mm -hmm. I think we, you know, I think we embellished it with, you know, custom fabrication for, um, you know, uh, the home building industry. And, and then we just put the nicest pictures we could glean from every project we had done or were doing and, uh, and, you know, let the pictures tell the story. Those pictures became um, top of mind presence. And then folks would get this email once a month and lo and behold, um, when I'd meet people, they'd say, Oh yeah, I get your emails. Really beautiful stuff. Oh yeah, I get your emails. Really beautiful. So that still happens and that still goes out. And you can you can almost set your freaking calendar that within 48 to 72 hours of that mailer going out, we'll get phone calls that it has specifically um, triggered from people to say, I've been meaning to call you. I got your email. You know, but it's just a it's a visually intense email that maybe has I don't know 10 to 20 images on it and um, and it's been super successful for us so really you know, really interesting that's, that's where I started with just you know again knocking on doors the things that they tell you to do you got to do well that's it for this episode I hope you guys enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it Check back next week with episode number two with Andrew Stoneman from Haskell Collection. You can check out his work in the show notes in the description and check out their stuff because it's really impressive. If you want to follow along with the podcast, we're on Instagram at Welding Business Owners Podcast. I am at JMW Fabrication. Until next time, get out there, get it done, and get it invoiced.